welcome, welcome to the Cult of the Collective Commentary. Featuring Dave A.C. The Sick Doctor Randall Thor. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Cultum Collective Commentaries. I think somebody turned the AC on in here. It's quite chilly. And Dave, I see you're all wrapped up like a mummy over there. Yeah, oh yeah, I've got my thermals on here. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like you're ready to be entombed. Did I'm dumb. And uh, I see Mr. Randall Thor's over there trying to make sense of the uh, hieroglyphs on the wall. Yes, what do these symbols mean? What is the logic here? I don't know. Um, I'll ask my friend. Uh, yeah, he's 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 really into um, cyber linguistics. Hey, Matt, Cyber Matt, over here. Ah, <laughs> uh, you can't write better jokes than this. Unfortunately, that's why we've got such bad ones. <laughs> All right, yes, uh, to coincide with, and we're actually recording this, uh, the night it's being broadcast on BBC America, um, we are going to be talking all over the top of The Tomb of the Cybermen, or if you've got the target novelization, and The Tomb of the Cybermen. <laughs> yes, so we're going to be talking all over the top of that. Uh, thanks to BBC America for continuing with their uh, Doctors Revisited and actually showing a classic story. It, it's just great to see, and, and uh, um, so we thought we'd uh, give everybody a commentary to go along with it. So, gentlemen, anything to say? I mean, Dave, Dave was around when, you know, um, when they awoke them from the tomb. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I was around in the days of black and white. You know, I was awfully pleased when I black got... Black and white hieroglyphs, that is. <laughs> Just before they had the colour pigment that they could find. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, the trees were grey, the ground was grey. Grey Manchester I was brought up in. <laughs> and that's it on a sunny day. You know, I almost thought, Dave, you were going to describe time the way the silences do. The time of the fire and the will. <laughs> the time of the black and the white TV. <laughs> oh, dear. Be like Satan pitting it before time. What do you mean before, before time? time. <laughs> <laughs> About quarter past, actually. Uh. <laughs> all right, that's enough carrying on. Um, we're going to get down to it now. Because you will all have, of course, your official BBC copies of uh, Tomb of the Cybermen, or you'll have had the, uh, uh, the ability to DVR this, or, or maybe even watching it along with a rerun from BBC America. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to have a slight pause in between each episode. Uh, and we're actually splitting this podcast into two sections. It makes for easier uploading into TalkShoe. Um, because when we get to a certain size, it makes it really, really difficult. That means we have to compress the sound and everything like that. So all that technical jargon, and only the Cybermen understand. All of the all the logicians. Um, so what we're going to do, um, if you do have your DVDs, is uh, choose the option for um, pick an episode. I think that's what they call it. Yeah. Choose an episode. Choose uh, an episode. Yes. Um, you'll, you'll, there's the play all option, and there's the next one down. We can go in and you actually can choose the episode the, selection. Episode selection. Thank you, sir. Um, so go to that uh, section of the DVD and click on that, and then you can start each episode as we begin, um, which will make it a lot easier because we start our commentary basically with the credits rolling. So, uh, and that way, of course, if you want to get up and go to the bathroom, you can. You don't have to wait around for us. You can just pause us and then join in on the fun. I hope it'll be fun a little later. <laughs> yeah, and I'll annoy everybody by giving a couple of time checks early on in the show. Yep. So... 
um, just to recap, we're going to be doing each episode one at a time, um, but we're doing episodes one and two on this podcast, and the next two episodes will be on the following one, in um, which we're going to release all, all in one week, but they'll be related, released as two different episodes, covering two episodes of the story, two of the Cybermen, the famously it's, lost but now found episode. It's binary code. Yes. It's the only way I can understand it. All right. So, <laughs> without any further carryings on, we'll begin. Gentlemen, are you ready? Indeed. I'm ready here, and I actually have the target novelization in my hands. Ah. Doctor Who and the Tomb of the Cybermen. So I'll be reading along. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to be even more controversial. I've got a copy of the Tenth Planet next to me, and they seem to have a bit of a difference about home planets, but there you go. Yeah. <clears throat> it all gets sort of sorted out later, doesn't it? Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Here we go. In five, four. Three, two, one, play. Now, I, I have to say that um, we were I was pre-watching some of this earlier. I watched it about two or three years ago um, with Liam because he wanted to see it, but then he lost interest. Um, <laughs> it's black and white. He's a teenager. Um, but we were sitting here with dinner watching this, uh, this episode, and as soon as it came on, Callum perked, his ears perked right up, and he points at the screen, and then he saw, saw the TARDIS in black and white and said TARDIS. So it's fantastic. Um, even in black and white. See, I've, I've really got a chance with this one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there they are. Uh, if you notice here, the the back wall there is not a real wall. It's um, makes it's you think about... Yeah. Makes you think a little bit like the latest... Uh, Tyler's interior. Yeah. And for those of you who are watching, Oops. going back and rewatching this series, this takes place right after what the evil of the Daleks. Yes. Where we met Victoria. Right. Where she joined the Doctor and Jamie in their journeys. Yes, without spoiling that story, she was. Uh, so she needed to come with them. Let's put it that way. Uh, yeah, something about a chase up somebody's back passage. <clears throat> uh, yeah, the back wall um, is uh, projected on an 18 by 12 um, back projection screen. So it was uh, uh, pre-filmed in order to make the room uh, look out because actually they didn't have, because of the uh, large sets that they had uh, for the story, they actually had to cram, cram them into this small space. So um, it's in order to make the, the, the TARDIS look a lot bigger. And yeah, you talked over, of course, the part where he then says he's around 450 years old. Which yeah, instead of 745. <laughs> <laughs> and he did have a 500-year-old diary, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do love the pattern between the two of them now, that they're established and, and you know. Wasn't, wasn't Jamie the longest-running companion? He was with... Charlton for the entirety of his run essentially after Highlanders which is like the second story so I think Jamie was with the Doctor the longest of any companion continually it's quite well done that I mean Uh, you could tell it's a model but you know what they did a dang good job of of, you know the perspective this is actually one of the I think one of the best looking um Episodes filmed in a quarry. 
Yeah. And I think part of that, and it doesn't, you know, not the sound is like, but it's black and white. You know, normal quarries yeah. are, are they're, they're, they're grey, or it, you can tell it's a British quarry, but here this could be, you know, they could be red rocks, they could be blue rocks. It's black and white. You don't know. It's quite lovely. You know, the kind of your mind. It's, it's almost like what reading a book. You know, your your imagination has to kind of fill in the color. You know, you have no yeah. idea what what color their suits could be. You know, and you could have Serverland just come over the next hump mm. and followed by Avon, couldn't you? Let's not confuse people, anyway. Oh, they're about to have a big one. Yes, all uh, double entendres are brought to you today by Fraser Hines and Patrick Charlton. <laughs> Look at the size of that thing, Doctor. Yes, it is a big one, isn't it, Jamie? It's <laughs> quite an explosion, actually, that. that yes, uh, uh, they actually did that with... Um, uh, that they, they, they what they'd normally do is they'd pack um, like bags of uh, cement on there and everything to get the the big powder thing. But it, I mean, definite explosion. Um, and, and and they did it on two. They took it with two cameras so that because they wouldn't be able to do it again. You know, right? Look. <laughs> and, so, and that's another false perspective um, thing too, because they're just, they're just right above them, but they're a lot smaller, um, and so it, it, it gives the impression of this big door, you know, far above them. But <laughs> and we're um, at uh, four minutes and fifty-four seconds. I'm getting carried away here with fascinating facts. I should get down to the nitty-gritties of uh, of who we're seeing on the screen. I like the music here as well at this section. It's good. Yeah. No, no, no actual um, time has been given for this. Uh, only uh, the BBC only tagged it as the, dis the, the distant future. Mm. The perspective's a bit wrong on those Cybermen, isn't it? I mean, they're not in line with the wall. No. Something like that. Apparently, with this uh, this set. Um, when they were starting the shoot, um, Morris Perry said, "No, no, 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 no. The the the, the setup for this is all wrong. We're going to have to move." And the cameraman are like, "Where are we going to move?" And they said, "No." He says, "I want the set moved." And so he made them move the set about two or three inches or something like that. Because whatever the way, whatever way it was set up, he he couldn't get the angles that he wanted, and so he had them. I think it took him an hour or two to to to, to you know move the set around. This thing's quite yeah. fantastic. Okay, let me just give a couple of stats here. Um, uh, first aired second uh, of of September uh, nineteen sixty seven up until the twenty third of September nineteen sixty seven. Obviously, we've said four episodes. Uh, the viewing figures for this episode were about six million. We're pretty healthy, really. And of course, Deborah Watling here playing Victoria, only about nineteen. Wow. She's born in uh, nineteen forty-eight. This is uh, sixty-seven. 
Of course, uh, um, uh, Shirley Cookland playing uh, Kaftan. Um, an, an interesting little story um, is that uh, it's it's well known that Fraser Hines is uh, uh, well known for being uh, a bit of a ladies' man. He's a he's a good chat artist, uh, but he was familiar with Shirley already um, <laughs> because she would be there on Fridays um, with her husband uh, Peter Bryant. Um, and, but when she did this part, they had a and a wig and makeup to kind of darken her features up a bit. Um, and so he uh, sidled up to her and uh, started chatting her up. And so she let him go for a bit <laughs> to really kind of dig him himself good and proper before, before saying, um, Fraser, it, it's Shirley. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Surely you don't mean that. <laughs> Surely you can't be serious. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, Shirley's been in a, a number of things, of course, uh, including Emmerdale. Well, Emmerdale Farm, as it was back then. Uh, Public Time, Macbeth. Uh, nothing nothing very recently. Uh, it seems her last major appearance was uh, back in 1973. Uh, one thing I, uh, just passed there, by the way, is uh, when she says, you know, £50 to whoever opened the door... Mm. Uh, I had to look it up. That's in today's money equivalent to uh, seven hundred and thirty-three pound, uh, about eleven hundred eleven hundred dollars in today's money. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> well then, didn't seem it, a, an awfully big amount. You think it'd uh, been a even then? It... Cause she, the, she's offering fifty pounds when the people watching this episode yeah. would only have been paid about two or three pounds a week, so it probably sounded a lot of money to them. Yeah. And of course, uh, playing the professor there is uh, is uh, Aubrey Richards, who unfortunately is uh, no longer with us. Uh, but it was also in uh, 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 Crespin. Uh, he was also in. Uh, a Mind to Kill, A Travelling Man, The Oneidon Line, I remember that. Oh, yeah. How, two great, bits. how green okay. was my valley? <laughs> <laughs> the lead actor from our uh, Oneidon Lines just died, didn't he? Yeah, yes. Two story elements that, that have gone on in, in the past few minutes. Uh, we've had the Doctor... You know, these characters are archaeologists, and the doctor's <laughs> reacting to them being archaeologists, which is interesting. Thinking yeah. back to the silence in the library, two parter, when we first met River Song, mm -hmm. the doctor was talking about how he laughed, he points and laughs at archaeologists. And then another bit that, that I noticed was Jamie's reaction to the mention of the Cybermen that, you know, Jamie has had an encounter with the Cybermen, and that was the story The Moon Base. Uh, which was Jamie's first encounter with the Cybermen, which, if, if you remember that, if you've seen that story, uh, Jamie referred to the, the Cybermen as the Pied Piper. Mm. And that, and I don't think that, that story exists in its entirety. Let me check. But uh, no, it's four episodes, and episodes one and three are missing. Mm. And when I started talking there, we had the, we had Soberman opening the doors, and... Uh, 
Well, I, I'll yeah. talk about that later. This 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 whole bit there was actually unscripted, and oh, Fraser no. Fraser Hines and 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 Patrick Charlie, they'd actually discussed it, and they said no, um, but they just they did it subtly, like you know, basically the whole idea was they were reaching to grab her hand, but she wasn't there, and they ended up grabbing each other's hands. The two of them together were supposedly just uh, a crack up. <laughs> and another little fascinating effect is uh, that uh, originally they scripted her to say wow but then of course realized that it, it wasn't fitting with her um her time period her time period and so <laughs> mercy <laughs> Is this woman supposed to be like of Indian origin or something here? Um, I think it nondescript. is. Nondescript. It's basically generic foreigners with, with her and uh, Klieg. Mm. Uh. There's uh, uh, Roy Stewart playing Toberman. Um, he's fantastic, if you ask me. Uh, it's been in uh, um, a, a lot, actually. Um of course, we lost him in, in 2008. Uh, but he's, he's been in James Bond, uh, Live and Let Die. Uh, I, Claudia's Space 1999, uh, Live and Let Die, uh, Doom Watch, uh, Sherlock Holmes, and uh, oh, Adam Adamant Lives. Um, but uh, also some, uh, some interesting stuff about him is that in 1954 he opened one of the first gyms in the United Kingdom that allowed all races to train there oh. and in the 1960s he uh, he also opened The Globe uh, a Caribbean restaurant and nightclub in Bayswater um, which he remained in charge of until his death and he's not just a, a, a big muscle man uh, his ambition when he arrived uh, in England from Jamaica in the 40s, um, he wanted to become a doctor, but changed his plans after appearing in several small roles on stage. Quite a big cast, this really. When you look oh, at yeah. It. Yeah, that's uh, uh, when you think about it. I mean, it's a lot uh, to keep track of, and I think they do quite a good job of it. And, and all speaking parts as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to ask me twice. Of course, playing Mr. Viner is several shops. <laughs> Who's also been in James Bond. He was in The Spy Who Loved Me. Thank you. He was also in uh, The Importance of Being Earnest uh, back in 2002. Also, I love Joy. I love that show. It's fantastic. Time of spaceship, and you still got a, a 50p notebook from yeah. Asda's, you know, at Walmart. Mm -hmm. <laughs> of course, Shovel Shaps is uh, this isn't his uh, only appearance. Uh, he was also in uh, Androids of Tara and uh, Planet of the Spiders. I think the picture's looking pretty good now. 
this is the one where they've used this. Uh, well, I won't give it its original name. Vid. <laughs> Uh, field, well, you can work it out for yourself, folks. It's Video Field Artificial Restoration Technique. Vid, and put the initials together, but became known as Vidfire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a way to get the sort of telecine uh, filming. That, of course, the videotapes were reused and reused, uh, and the uh, the actual episode filmed as it aired. Uh, and this Vidfire is a way of getting back the, the more video-like uh, function and of course they have the ability to build up the uh, the extra frames because with the with videotape of course they they're done with half field frames right. so by doing it and recombining them they get rather a, a more lifelike look I think it's the picture mm-hmm. quality looks great to me the interesting thing is the whole process was kind of discovered by um, I think they were watching something on on videotape um, you know um, something that they reassembled. I think it was this, actually. But they uh, put it on uh, fast-forward, visual fast-forward, as it probably was at the time, uh, and they realized that it looked better going at double speed. Mm. And that's when they started thinking that if they were able to replicate and have basically insert another frame in between the two frames, that they could thereby, you know, I don't understand all of it, but that's... it almost doubles the resolution, really, right. doesn't it? Yeah. And that little creature, of course, as we uh, come to know, is one of the most frightening things I thought Doctor Who ever had. Uh, even more frightening at that little size. <laughs> and of course, this was the story that introduced them. Yes. Not quite sure why the sidemen have placemats on the table, but there you go. I don't understand why they have tables and chairs, to be honest. <laughs> I was wondering that. I was like, hmm. How convenient. even that the chairs are too close to the table? I know. <laughs> I just don't see the Cybermen sitting down for a meeting or something. So, want to play poker? <laughs> and of course, that's uh, George Pastel playing Klieg. Uh Now, the, the, the uh, I was making a, uh, allusions to the, the uh, comparing this to say exploring a, an Egyptian tomb, um, and it's interesting the, the because um, Kip Pedler and, and Jerry Davis had an interest in in uh, Egyptology and uh, and in in casting George Pastel they kind of brought that audience with um, because he was in a number of um, I think they're mainly Hammer movies, uh, where he basically played the 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 Egyptian bad guy. Indeed. Um, but yes, a long uh, long list of uh, of, well, of roles. Sorry, go ahead. Just, Dick. I was just saying that close up there, you can see how the Eleventh Doctor uses some of the Second Doctor's mannerisms. Oh yes, there. yeah. It's fantastic to watch this, you know, and I'm hoping that people who are watching this on BBC America who are familiar now with the new series are are, are seeing this and going, oh, hey, you know. And I can see where Patrick Chatton got all those nonsense <laughs> from. And on, on that note, it's might as well mention it now. This was the story that Matt Smith watched after getting the role of the Doctor yeah. and which really inspired Matt Smith's portrayal of the Doctor and even his his idea for the outfit. Excellent. Oh. 
It was this story that Matt, that Matt Smith was watching one night after after being cast as the Doctor, and he called Stephen Moffat up one night and said, "Hey, I like this Doctor. I, 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 I should I should copy that outfit and try to copy some of his mannerisms." So Patrick Chowton's Doctor was really one of the major influences on Matt Smith's Doctor. Yeah. I mean, I think it really kind of shows. Yeah. Um, but just back to briefly to, to George Pastel, um, he. Uh, he was a Cypriot actor um, uh, uh, in, in British films and television programs, and his real name was actually uh, Nino Pastalis. Um, and, and one thing I didn't know is um, that, I, thought, I mean, unfortunately, we lost him rather early on, 1976. Uh, but it was in Dade County, which is uh, just around these parts where I live. So um, I live in Charlotte County. So uh, it's just across uh, Alligator Alley. So, but I mean, he was well known funny for playing. How we could, funny how we could see um, Patrick Chowton in the scene there, <laughs> sneaking on. Yep, it's quite devious in this. The Doctor, there's you know, there's obviously he knows a lot more is going on, and I mean, you see him too uh, talking to Victoria later in the next episode. Yeah, my question is for this episode, this story is what's going on with the doctor? He clearly doesn't want them to go deeper into the tombs to find the Cybermen. But what does the doctor do throughout this story? He helps them. He helps them. He opens the tomb. If it wasn't for him opening the tomb, none of this would happen. Right. And the doctor clearly doesn't want them to find the Cybermen. So why, doctor? Yep. Yeah, well, if you're referring to the bit that comes up later. I'm not too sure whether he does that on purpose or whether he tries to foil him and uh, that leads to a, a combination that works. But Of course, uh, about to meet his maker. Spoilers! Is uh, Bernard Holly. <laughs> I've got a, an interesting joke about that. <laughs> <laughs> Now, uh, earlier oh. on, you heard a knocking coming from within the the, yeah. the coffin, as it were. Um, this did not actually belong. Uh, did not belong to her because uh, she was it's claustrophobic, so she couldn't stand being in there very long. And so they uh, ended up letting her out and put somebody else in there to do the knocking. Yeah. Poor thing. She only just started too. <laughs> <laughs> So the producer of this episode, I should go ahead and mention him. This yeah. episode was produced by Peter Bryant, who is mostly known for working on Doctor Who. Most of his credits that I can find are Doctor Who stories. Uh, the first story that he produced was uh, The Faceless Ones, and then the story just before this, The Evil of the Daleks, then this one, followed by The Abominable, Abominable Snowmen, Ice Warriors, Enemy of the World, Web of Fear, Fury from the Deep, Will in Space, Dominators, Mind Robber, Invasion, Sp Seeds of Death, Crotons, Space Pirates. So quite a lot of Doctor Who. Yeah. Quite a lot of Patrick Chowton era. And that's mostly what he's done. He's done a few other shows. Champion Road, uh, Television Playwright, English Family, Robinson, The Grove Family, but mainly Doctor Who. 
Mm. Or do you have? <laughs> of course, as I mentioned before, of course, Peter Bryant married to uh, Shirley Cooklin, who was hit on by Fraser Hines during this episode. <laughs> That's going to be embarrassing. <laughs> but i got to say, I think Fraser deserves what he gets. Well, it certainly moved along at a nice pace, mm. didn't it? Oh, and I could just imagine back in the, the late 60s when this, this episode aired, that final frame there that faded out over the credits, just how scary that would have been. Oh, yeah. The Cyberman face over the, the credits. Look at all of those names. I'll get to most of those names if I can in the production crew. Yeah. There's Peter Bryant. I mentioned him, at least. And there's Morris Barry. We'll get to. We'll get to. All right. Well, at this point, we're going to have a brief pause uh, so you can go to the bathroom or whatever before we start into the next one. But for those of you who are sticking around, we'll basically just kind of go to the next one. Welcome back, everybody! See? I knew you'd miss us. <laughs> or I, I assume you're... you're oh, for those of us just rejoining us, I hope your uh, visit to the bathroom was good. Uh, and everything came out all right. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear, dear, dear. No, 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 no. Your visit to the kitchen, I hope you got yourself a nice cup of tea. Or actually some wine. Speaking of yeah, which, I never told you about my wine last time. Well, we'll get the episode rolling. They're, they're, they just got back. They're all refreshed. Let's get going. <laughs> so, everybody, if you are ready, gentlemen, are you ready with your next episode? Indeed. I'm ready here. Okay. Well, we'll count you all in and we'll get on with it. In five, four, three, two, one, play. Oh, it's part two. Part two? You don't say. Uh, I still, I mean, this, this, this is so funny. It's like the, the music's still fantastic. Love it. Now, um, this episode, uh, the first episode was seen by 6 million. Um, this episode was seen by 6.4 million. Yeah. Now, there's a reason why I bring up this fascinating fact. Is that um, Bernard Holly makes the joke that um, more people saw him as a corpse than saw him when he had a speaking part. <laughs> and quite a, a short lead in there. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's all your fault, Jamie. Yep. Oh. And uh, just a little info behind Bernard Holly. Uh, uh, most recently, uh, was in a short about Zed Cars called "A Lot of Fuss About Light." Uh, it's also uh, in uh, the Doctors. Now, oh, what for you, uh, Mike? Little Big Planet. He was a uh, voice in Little Big Planet as oh, uh, a okay. TV spot voiceover. Uh-huh. There was a PlayStation Two three game for yeah. those of you who don't know. Um, but of course, he's also been in uh, Holby City, Touch of Frost, EastEnders, Holyoaks, and da, 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 uh, Casualty! Casualty! 
Wasn't sure it would happen. I was happen, wondering. <laughs> oh, he was also um, um, in the tripods, Dave. Oh. Yeah, as Power Master. Right. I think I'll watch that now if we can. Love the tripods. Oh. We stayed finished it. Yeah. A huge body yeah. of work. Uh, Phoenix, oh, he was in the Phoenix and the Carpet. I love that show. Sorry. <laughs> right. Now, more to important things. I forgot last time to tell you what I was drinking. Yeah. I'm drinking a lovely name wine called Quirky Bird. <laughs> <laughs> it's a um, South African wine, 2012. It's blended wine with mostly uh, Shiraz in it, but um, very, very nice indeed. At 14%, and it's slipping down rather nicely. Um, I've got a feeling I might need some warm alcohol through this episode. Yes. Oh, look, he's got an accordion on his chest. <laughs> um, and just rounding up my information about uh, about Bernard Holly, uh, he did make another appearance in, in Doctor Who uh, at the close of Axos. Um, he was actually in that for all four episodes, so congratulations for making it through alive. Uh, he actually played an Axon man. And my wine is uh, 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 Mauricio Lorca, uh, Angels Reserve, Malbec, 2012, um, which, of course, is from Naked Wines. And it's okay. I just noticed Victor is wearing uh, what my mother used to wear. It's called like a, a nurse's watch. Mm. That watch is on a pendant. It's upside down. So that you, when you, you hold it up, it's, you see the, the time the right way up. Mm. <clears throat> <sighs> I hate to do those things. <laughs> I like how she deliberately disobeys the doctor. Oh, leave that thing alone. Okay. I'll put it in my purse. <laughs> But of course. So we'll go ahead and mention Morris Berry. Morris Berry, of course, is the director of this episode. And just looking over his line of work here, the very first thing that he directed back in August of 57 was an episode of a series called Escape, an episode called The The Warrant Officer. After that, he directed quite a lot of Barnaby Ridge in, uh, in 1960. Then he directed a couple episodes of Zed Cars, and then quite a few episodes of Swizzlewick, then Compact, 199 Park Lane, Quick Before They Catch Us. And then he got to Doctor Who. He directed The Moon Base, Tomb of the Cybermen. So two Cybermen stories he directed, uh, The Dominators and The Creature from the Pit, Part 1. So he was around in uh, Tom Baker's era. That's interesting. Well, I One remember episode. Compact. Compact was um, uh, like... Um about a, a magazine it was like a a soap but it was all around a like a fashion magazine or something okay um uh, softly softly one episode of that a lot of episodes of spy trap um the donati conspiracy melissa poldark in 75 uh angels in 78 blake's an episode of blake seven uh yeah. episode one i believe it has listed killer in 79 an episode of Ari being served, Pandemic, All Creatures Great and Small, one episode of that. So he's been, he did quite a lot. Uh, the latest thing that I see was uh, 19, uh, 1986, an episode of Map and Lucia. Lucia, Lucia, however you pronounce that. But uh, yeah, that's Morris Berry. He did quite a lot. 
Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about it. There's a, a definite pool of character actors that, that that were of various qualities and abilities, but they they, they well, did directors. the rounds, no no doubt. But, well, directors as well, yeah. Sorry, but I'm just looking. Also, he also directed two episodes of Dave the Trippets in '81. Oh, and we're just a time check: six minutes and eight seconds. And I'm just noticing here that the uh, all the symbols, all the Cyberman symbols along the walls, that sort of carries on the whole uh, Egyptian, the whole pyramid theme, the whole look and feel. Those would be comparable to the, the friezes that you would see in pyramids with hieroglyphs. But here we have Cyberman faces. Now this, I'm not too sure about this guy's American accent. Are you? I think he's uh, Australian actor, isn't he? No, Austrian actually. Austrian, is it? Yes, uh, uh, George Rubicek. It's not bad, actually. I don't think so for the for the time no. that this was made. It's 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 a lot better than you know. Uh, I think some of the ones you hear this day and age. I mean, it's it's generic American. Um, just kind of like when you get, you know, British TV shows and you've got generic British, you know, uh, there is no British accent or English accent. It, you know, depending on where you're from, you could end up sounding like Dave. <laughs> Although I don't really think you sound, like, you know, very Mancunian. You just sound like Dave. I don't know. Right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, George has uh, been in uh, The Dirty Dozen. You only live twice. Uh, the spy who loved me. God, two of the servants turning out to be like the James Bond who's who. <laughs> uh, also had parts in uh, Bergerac, uh, Star Wars actually as well. Uh, the Imperial officer number two on the Rebel ship. It's actually uncredited, but Praje or something. P A P R A J I. Yeah, I wasn't going to has. I was. <laughs> I wasn't going to try to pronounce it. <laughs> Let you fall into that trap instead. Lasty. <laughs> After appearing in it, his comment was, "What was all that about?" Because <laughs> <laughs> I suppose when you're acting in that, you wouldn't see half the film because it's all put right. on by industrial light and magic afterwards. Mm-hmm. Now, this is the bit I think you were referring to before. I'm not too sure whether the Doctor is trying to slyly help him or... Well, yeah, it's, uh, uh, it's something that happens throughout uh, this story. At yeah. the very beginning, the Doctor is the one who who encourages them to open the doors in the first yeah. place. Yeah. <laughs> Logic. I think one handle's broken there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, is see, he right, to... right here, yeah, right yeah. here is the Doctor presses a button.
<laughs> oh, logic. <laughs> but then if you look at his reaction, it looks as though he was trying to stop him. Right. Mm. Well, it's the usual kind of doctor thing, though. It's like, mm. oh, no, stop, don't do that, you know. Yeah. Yeah, the, doctors, the doctors are always kind of torn between... No, no, don't unleash them. But who? I wonder what that's all about. <laughs> well, that's true, isn't it? I mean, the first Doctor did that were to to explore the Dalek city. You know, mm. he pushed them on. I love this. Uh, what's it name? <laughs> love better Trump. Also, the other thing I I, I always like about Patrick Trotton is. I am um, I am the right hair color and style and uh, height to, <laughs> to to cosplay as as the second doctor. So he didn't have to wear a cloak, did he? I'm trying to remember how many episodes he wore a cloak. Mm. I'm glad he got rid of that silly hat he oh, wore at the beginning. Yes. Oh, that hat! But it's always the one they. It's always the picture they trot out, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Was it in the underwater menace something? Don't trip going awesome. up the stairs. Oh. oh. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, he's he's going to be a president. Yeah, it was originally planned that the Doctor should wear a scarf as well as his cloak. No, mm. no, why you like this episode? It's a bit like Time Lash, where they go down this hole. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, speaking oh, of original speak, original Ooh. plans for this story, so uh, the, 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 <laughs> the character Toberman was originally planned to be deaf. And wearing a sort of a, a futuristic uh, hearing hearing aid, hearing implant. What, like an ear pod? Yes. <laughs> and considering where the story goes with that character, that was supposed to be the, the sort of the foreshadowing of. She just what, slipped what through a sugar pill. Sorry. <laughs> Never look away from your drink. I know. That's the first yeah, I told rule. You. So I was right to put my long johns on. I gotta say that this is fantastic acting because. Um, it is not cold there. Uh, this is a, a hot studio with uh, no ventilation and, you know, back then, no AC. Um, and here they all are dressed up in anoraks and cloaks. And I mean, yeah, I think it's quite fascinating. Yes, they're hibernating exactly the way bees don't. <laughs> Ooh. So at this point, I'll go ahead and just go over uh, Kit Pedler and Jerry Davis, who co-wrote this episode. And Kit Pedler, they're they're both kind of credited with the the creation of the Cybermen. They they co-wrote uh, the Tenth Planet, which was their very first story uh, with the Cybermen. But let's uh, Kit Pedler, for for instance, what else did Kit Pedler do with even with Doctor Who alone? Of course, the War Machines was his first episode, his first story. Then Tenth Planet, of course, the Moon Base, Tomb of the Cybermen, Wheel in Space, Invasion, all but. One of those, all but the first of those, are Cybermen stories. Uh, besides that, 
Kit Peddler has gone on, went on to write episodes of Doomwatch, uh, and is credited, of course, in the on the modern series and all the Cyberman stories. And he was even Kit Peddler was even credited on an episode of Peep Show that mentioned the Cybermen. Mm. Ah, some modern-looking equipment at last, the camera. Uh, but you mentioned the Tenth Planet. I didn't hear you mention Mondas. <laughs> oh, Mondas! Yes, Mondas. Tell us yes. that whole thing. Yeah, let, let's not do it. <laughs> R- read up on Wiki. You'll get the answer somewhere. <laughs> it's all been wiped clean anyway. Now that we've got the uh, Cybersmen. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean the idea was that these these tombs have been seeded on more than one planet. You know, yeah. as, as, as storehouses of an army. And now that I think about it, this story, of course, is set on Telos, the, which is a mm. Cyberman planet. Uh, the next time we visit Telos in, the, in Doctor Who, I think, is Attack of the Cybermen, the Colin Baker, Sixth Doctor story. Yes, which uh, incidentally is also brings back the Cyber Controller, played by Michael Gagarif. So, interesting thawing out the tombs. Of course, that was done with just a, a, a spray that they had, uh, you know, like the, the, the instant snow type spray, which I think they did it basically in, uh, in reverse as far as the thing goes, is they um, sprayed, yeah. they, they, they took a picture of it, then sprayed a slight dusting on, and then filmed again, and, and then just kind of built it up, and then, of course, reversed that. The, the incidental music on this is good too. I like that. The oh, that looks better than I remember it. <laughs> now the interesting thing about this is, that, I mean, one of the things that's always leveled at Doctor Who is like, oh, you know, things are a bit shoddy, and you know, there's always all these mistakes and stuff like that, but. Uh, the thing you have to remember is that um, the, the budget that Doctor Who had and how expensive it was to do everything that they're doing. Um, you'll notice that there's, you know, you'll see occasionally there'll be a boom mic or or they'll trip up on their lines or they'll trip up going up the stairs. You, you can't just stop and, uh, and uh, take it again. Yeah, that accounted for most of William Hartnell's flubbing of lines. Either mm. that or he... Which is... That's the weird thing about Hartnell. We're not entirely sure if that was him flubbing lines on accident or purpose. Just yeah. sort of his portrayal of the Doctor. But anyway, you know, they did what just one take. It was pseudo-live the way they did these episodes. Just a single take. They didn't have time to redo takes and scenes. Freezing the tombs again. And just a... Hmm. Oh. This scene right here. Where the Cybermen hatch. Yes. Or they do an interpretive dance, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely looks... Is that is that being re-CGI? Because it looks definitely better than I remember it from the original. The lower, le- the lower left alcove is empty, by the way. Right. There's nothing in there. Well, well. <laughs> I turned it off if I were you, Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Someone's in there. 
You can see someone moving around. But a quick comment here, quick reference here on uh, Jerry Davis, the other half of the, the Cyberman creators, who did a lot more writing for Doctor Who, for even Doctor Who alone. Uh, the first episode... Uh, Jerry Davis was working for Doctor Who, writing for Doctor Who before Kip Hedler joined. He had wrote uh, some episodes. Uh, see, I'm, I'm looking at the list here, and things to remember here is in early in the Hartnell era, each episode had had its own specific title. Unlike later on, we had episode one, episode two. So he wrote episodes like the the plague, the return, the bomb from the Dalek story, the celestial toy room. And he eventually wrote for uh, the the war machines, the savages, the smugglers, Tenth Planet. Highlanders, Underwater Menace, Moonbase, Macro Terror, Faceless Ones, Evil of the Daleks, all the way up to Revenge of the Cybermen. So, again, back in the Fourth Doctor era. Uh, since that, then, he wrote. Go on, Dave. I was going to say that was all great stuff, but I think I think he lost him when he was looking at the profile there <laughs> a minute ago. <laughs> Oh, the Cyberbats. Actually, the interesting thing is uh, uh, about um, Shirley Culkin is, is that um, uh, her her casting in this was a bit um, was a bit of a sticking point for some people because they thought that she'd been given the gotten the part by unfair means, of course, because her husband was uh, uh, directing it. And uh, and not I mean, sorry, uh, producing it. Um, but actually, uh, Jerry Davis actually wrote the part with her in mind, she, because she had played these kind of uh, parts before, and so he basically wrote the part for her. So, of course, uh, should have bought uh, shares in Cling Film. Now, this this has been repeated quite a few times. If you go back to uh, some of the episodes, um, uh, not go back, go forward, should I say, this this idea of having polythene and the, the Cyberman coming through it happened to uh, the cousin of uh, Martha Jones, didn't it? Yeah. It was, it, it was, this really was the iconic scene of the, the, the Cybermen hatching. It was reused in subsequent Cyberman stories, The Invasion, I remember. But... Uh, Oh look at look here! We have newborn Cybermen with their vestigial limbs hatching oh, out. <laughs> I just like the way their hands look like that. The vestigial hatching limbs. But again, it, it, it is an iconic moment. It's kind of a uh, creepy well, scene in and of its own. Just the Cybermen hatching out. Yeah. Very powerful. I mean, in a way. You've got to think, well, hang on a minute, it's not a whole army of them coming out there. But I remember when I first saw it, you know, it, it was a, and this thing as well. I mean, the, the, mm, mm. the second thing about these is uh, that they, um, the stuff that we're supposed to be, uh, I think the launch was supposed to be uh, radio controlled, uh, but the problem with them was is uh, uh, there was too much interference on the set, and so um, so some of them had to actually be dragged across the studio floor on wires. 
What? I just feel sorry for, for special effects guys and model makers at that point because they've put so much time in and they're like, oh, crud. <laughs> I should put that down, but still. <laughs> I mean, I think it, I think it's quite beautiful, to be honest. The the the, the whole set and everything. Um... Uh, and one of the great things is the the reception of this. Of course, it was a lost episode for a long time. But I mean, I think there was always this idea there might be anti climax. Hold on, the cyber controller is on the loo. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm sorry, who designed that helmet? Yeah. Well, the problem with it is that they have to keep changing the batteries in it. Um, which sounds fine. It's special effects work and everything. But the thing was supposed to like undulate and light up. And you can actually, I mean, if you throughout the next couple of episodes, you realize that you can't see it. Um, and so he says, I watched it back and it was a complete waste of time. It's like every, like, Two hours that have to change the batteries. <laughs> but it was interesting that uh, that he didn't. Uh, that I mean, he almost didn't take the part uh, as a cyber controller because. Um, When they, of course, when they cast him, he says, he, he brought him into interview him and he says, uh, well, this is what I want yeah. you to do. You're going to be the Cyberman and, and this is, you're going to be inside this costume and uh, he says, oh, well, well, can I look at the script so I can see the, the, the kind of lines? And he goes, oh, no, there's no lines. And there's a famous name. Yep. The voice, Peter Hawkins. Yep. And the voice of the Cybermen. But we may talk about him a little bit more. Flop yes. a lop, little lop, little weed. <laughs> Still great music. I don't care what way you cut ah, it. Ah, lovely. Just lovely, you know. <laughs> We're just listening to it, but great. Yeah. great. <laughs> Sorry, yep. listening to the music, folks. Slightly episode this, by the way. Uh, I mean, I don't know how that fits with the American network, but I mean... You'd think they'd all cut them down to an exact... This was, what, 24, 45, about four, three quarters of a minute longer, maybe a minute longer than the previous episode. Yeah. So, uh, gentlemen, do we want to do a bit of a wrap-up now before we head over to part two of, of uh, our commentary? Well, I, I do have one com quick comment to make here, and it's about the doc the, the target novelization, which I'm looking at here. Right. The cover design, which is it has, there's a picture of the cover design on the Wikipedia page for Tomb of the Cybermen, but if you look at it and compare it to this episode, they use the wrong Cybermen helmet design <laughs> for the artwork. It's the later, it's the, I, I think, what, fifth Dr. Earthshock Cybermen? It's not the right Cybermen helmet design. But of course, this book was published in '82, so around this a bit early, 
Revenge of the Cybermen, I guess it would be. That that's the one with the like the third eye on the top, isn't it? Are they? Uh... Yeah, yeah, and the the sort of the oval mm. ear muff things that completely cover the ear, instead of what we have here on this episode. Yes. <laughs> but uh, I mean, just to get back to the episode real quick. Um, when I first saw it, um, not long after they found it and released it on VHS, I remember my my friend Ian Stewart. Hey, Ian. Um, he he got a um, he, he he had purchased it, and so uh, we all gathered around at his place to watch it. And I must admit to being at the time bored um, and wondering what the fuss was about. You know, oh yes, they found this long lost episode. This is fantastic for fans. Yes, rejoice. And then sitting there going, oh, it's black and white. Oh, it's kind of boring. Oh, who are these people? Because to be honest, I wasn't that into you know a lot of the um, earlier episodes. I had I don't think I'd watched any Hard Null apart from um, the very first episode. And uh, and I don't think I'd seen much Trout apart from when, of course, when he was in the, either the Three Doctors or the Five Doctors or um, or the Two Doctors. So. But I say now that I'm older and wiser and uh, more in tune with with Doctor Who, uh, it's a heck of a lot better than than I had originally thought. Uh, and I, I, it amazes me actually how nice it looks um, and what they were managed they managed to pull off with uh, you know such a limited budget and limited time as well. Uh, I think there's there are even more time constraints uh, than than even the new series is. I mean, they're still they go at a fair pace when they're doing the the, the new series, but uh, back then it was. I mean, they'd be uh, filming this, uh, probably finishing up work on the previous story, and uh, rehearsing for the next one, uh, and so it was just crazy, uh, but. Honestly, I, I think this is this is actually really quite nice to to watch, um, and it's so fantastic that it was able that they were able to find this, um, complete you know without having to do any major work on it. I mean, yes, we've had the restoration and that, but uh, to be able to just you know have it back again and, and put it out, hopefully there's still you know stories lurking out there somewhere, you know. Right, well, I'll just finish with one sentence and then we'll move on, and that is that um, the VHS release that you referred to topped the sales chart throughout the country, and it was the only original Doctor Who episode uh, from the from that era, of course, that topped the UK charts. So it obviously had a, a massive impact. I do remember a lot of excitement surrounding oh, it yeah. coming out. Yeah, I mean, I remember, and um, it was one of the first... Um, VHS tapes that we come across that had copy protection. Um, and it seems oh, that, odd that you would think... Macrovision. Macrovision yeah, was Macrovision. it. Yeah, Macrovision. If you did copy... You, you could actually make a copy of it if you were willing to put up with... the Basically, it was a contrast thing that would fade in and out and you'd get, like, black bars or something scrolling up the screen. Um, so, uh -huh. yeah, you could do it and you could watch it, but it really wasn't worth it. It was something to do with the synchronisation time. Yeah. When, you, when you connected something to the SCART cop scar socket to another machine uh, it would not pass that um, time sync thing that, that, that locked the signal so right. uh, so the picture would tear 
on the copy the copy one it would be torn not that i ever tried it but uh there you go i knew somebody who did and they showed me the results and it was like oh it's not really worth it is it yeah um and the the great thing about you know back then is that you know if you were that much of a hurry to see it you usually knew of a of a doctor who club that was meeting nearby and you could go watch it there so anything you want to say mike before we uh close out this this uh section of the show and uh uh, meet everybody over at the next episode. The only thing I have to say is look forward to my comments about this episode following this story because I'm going to be playing the role of Darth Skeptical here. I <gasps> hate this story. Ooh. Ah, like a look I'm forward to them, teasing folks. the audience here. Ooh. Oh, you've got to come What's back. What's he going to say? What's he going to say? All right. Well, until the next episode, which is probably on the feed right now. So rush on over there right now. Until then. It's uh, see you soon from Mr. Randall Thor. It's see you on the next episode from Dave AC. And it's chill out from Ian the Sixth Doctor. See you over there, folks. Goodbye. We're not doing anything funny at the end of this one. No, the funny bit's at the end of the next one. We'll see you over there. Well, go on, then. Get. <laughs>